kind of uh, funny, Kathy, you're talking about miles being walked and stuff. And she wants to talk about her fitness journey and she likes to show her fitness journey. And of course, when I see that, there's a part of me that is definitely proud of what she is doing. There's another part of me that is feeling guilt and shame <laughs> because she's out walking and exercising and I'm sitting on the couch with my feet up and just watching TV. And, um, no, and I know she's not, she's not posting to condemn. She's not trying to do that. She is celebrating her small victories and what she's doing and the discipline that she puts forward. And I think the thing that kind of bugged me the most about it this week, and I didn't even share this with Jen, was that I was getting ready for this message and um, this message is about self-control. Uh, so <laughs> it was like, ah, this is, this is great. It's already, you know, kind of difficult for me um, at times, but... Um, yeah, it was just to see what she was doing and how well she was doing. And then me and, you know, it's like try to put on a pair of jeans and they're feeling a little tight and grab my swimming trunks because the girls want to go to the pool yesterday and I'm looking at them and I'm checking the, the waistband and the sizes. And I was like, <laughs> there's no way that's fitting. Put that down, grab another one. I was like, yeah, I don't know. And go with the really big one. And it's like, I hope. <laughs> and it, it fit. It fit. Um, but I'm the only one that can relate to this, right? Nobody else can relate to, uh, you know. No, no, we can. None of us can. Um, we do this, and I think it's kind of funny because it's usually at about the June mark that I kind of check back in on myself. You know, we have this moment where we want to uh, start off the year. We want to start the year off right. We kind of set some resolutions, which means that 90% of what we say in January 1st, we're not actually going to do. Um, I actually think it might be like 93% of New Year's resolutions wind up failing. So I try to come back in six months and check on myself and, all right, how you doing? Um, yeah, I'm not, not doing so well. I haven't really accomplished that stuff. Uh, it was kind of funny because I go to the, the doctor and they get me on the scale and she's like, well, you know, you've, you've gained a few pounds, but you know, it's, it's been like three years since we've seen you. And then I go back in two weeks later and she's like, not bad. You're only up one pound. <laughs> I didn't tell her that I had fasted for like two days prior to going in. Because I knew if they caught me, it was like, oh, this is going to be really bad. Because with me, I, I get in these things where I'm like, you know what? I do so well on my diet and my food intake. I'm going to treat myself. It's, it's a treat for good behavior. And I th figure it's going to be like a treat meal turns into a treat day and then a week and a month and then it's almost a year and it's like, oh, I gotta knock this off. <sighs> yes, that's, that's, I don't know, I, I do this all the time and I realize that the big reason that I do this is because uh, I lack discipline. And that's just all there is to it. I just lack discipline. 
Now discipline often gets a bad rap because when we typically think of discipline, we'll think of being a child and how our parents disciplined us. But I think when we really think about discipline, it goes beyond just that. It goes beyond punishment. I think that's probably our, our issue is that we equate discipline with punishment. But if we've ever played any type of you know, sports or athletic competitions, if we've ever strived to be good and successful at something, for us to build up that and to get to that level, it required discipline. It, that's what it requires. And unfortunately, we often lack a little discipline. I think one of the, the easiest or the definitions for discipline I found was that discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. So what is it that we want most versus what is it that we want now? Like, I think all of us in our lives, we, we've seen these moments where we have struggled and we've failed at something where we set out to have this goal and yet it didn't quite work out. You know, it's like nobody sets out with a goal of, you know what I would love to do? I would love to make a lot of money and have absolutely nothing to show for it. That's, that's what I would love. And I'd love to just spend it on all of my own pleasures, never helping anybody else. And then it just, it's, it's gone. Like, that's what I, I would envision to do. No, nobody does that. Nobody sets out and says, you know what I would really like to do? I would like to be, uh, you know, Henry VIII, you know, where I, I was married to the widow next door and she's been married several times before, you know, it's like nobody envisions that they want to set out and I'm going to get married and this is the first of 15 marriages that I am going to have. It's like, no, we, we never do that. We never set out that way. We never set out to sit there and say, you know what? I think it would be great if I set a world record for being the largest man in the world. And I never moved from my couch ever. These are never the things that we actually set out to do. We set out to, well, I would like to have some money so I can help people. I would like to get married and stay married. I would like to have some kids and have them actually love me. That would be nice. I would like to actually eat healthy and kind of be in a shape other than round. It's like, we, these are kind of the goals that we have, but unfortunately, that's not where we wind up. That's not our ultimate destination. We, we, we fall, we fail somewhere along the way. But yet we have all of these good intentions. See, the problem is that I don't think we realize that our destination depends on our disciplines and not our desires. We all desire to have these good things, but yet we don't achieve them. So what's the difference between, you know, Genevieve and myself, who both desire to be healthy and in good physical shape? One of us has discipline and the other does not, and I'll let you just guess which one's which. <laughs> it's like... I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's not about our desire. It's about our discipline. It is about our discipline. It's, it's not about like 
just because I will it. And it's not about your willpower either. Here's the problem. I think oftentimes we sit there and think, okay, well, discipline is based on willpower. No, it's, it's not based on willpower. It's based on like your production, what you're actually doing, not what you will to do. That's what willpower is. It's can I actually will myself to do this thing? And that's what we think willpower is. But yet the Apostle Paul himself has shown us that willpower is not going to be that effective. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn and look at this in uh, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, we're going to take a look at what the Apostle Paul says. And if you don't have your Bible with you, well, it's a good thing that we have one back there that Nancy controls and throws up here on the screen. Right, Nancy? I try. We appreciate you, Nancy. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. <laughs> I mean, if that's not a statement that comes right out of my own mind, I don't know what is. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't know. How did I get here? I have no idea. This is the, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who, yes, started off as Saul of Tarsus and who was killing and persecuting Christians, but then Jesus got a hold of him on Damascus and gives him this come to Jesus meeting. That's kind of where we get the come to Jesus meeting from is Paul's conversion. And he uses, Jesus uses Paul to write a third of the New Testament, used him with so much power that Paul was even raising people from the dead. This is Paul. And Paul's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Verse 15, he says, For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that's what I do. You look down in verse 18. He says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. The will is there, but how to perform what is good, I don't find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I do. And then in verse 24, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The Apostle Paul, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know why it is that I do this stuff. I've got the will, but I'm not able to get it done. Willpower does not work. I guarantee it doesn't work. I've seen this in my life. It's like I, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm watching what I eat. I'm even exercising. I'm feeling great. I've changed wardrobe because I've lost a lot of weight. And then you go to a family function and somebody just has a nice piece of chocolate pie sitting there and I look at it and I got the will. I walk by it. I'm not going to eat that thing. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I look back at it and <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm feeling good. You know, another 10 minutes later, I'm like, you know, it's not as big as it could be. And nobody, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. Nope, nope, I'm, I'm doing good. 
I'm doing good. This is people who are at work and they've got donuts left out for everybody. Though, no, no. And then you walk on by and it's like, you know, there's a fork and a knife here. Maybe I'll just cut a small piece and I'll just I'll eat that small piece. But I did good because it was just a small one, just a just a little bit. Only to come back a half hour later and that other half that you cut off was still there. And I might as well eat it. The next thing I know is I've just lost that which I will to do. I don't do. That which I will not to do. I will not eat that piece of pie, but I do it anyways. And this happens over and over and over again. See, willpower isn't going to get us there because it's not about our desire. It's not about our will. It's about our discipline. It's about what we're actually doing and what we're actually exercising. It's like our discipline is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You have to exercise it. You have to keep it. And there's this thing that's called muscle memory where your muscles just know what to do. It's kind of like that old adage that it's kind of like riding a bike. Although as soon as I said that, I thought about my mother and we won't talk about riding bikes 20, 30 years later. Sometimes it's not that easy. But it's kind of like riding a bike if you don't wait that long. But it's like this, this discipline that we've got, if we stay on it, if we continue to exercise that, if we can continue to work that out, we can accomplish these things. What the Apostle Paul is running into is he's looking at the willpower. Why can I not do this? Why am I not able to do this? And Christians fall in this same trap. Because we're like, I, I want to do good. It's like, I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. I want to be nice to people. I want to serve people. I want to be generous with my offering and my, my finances. But yet, we don't do that. Instead, we start lying and we start cheating and we start stealing and we start yelling at people and then we get our names changed and everybody in the world calls us Karen all of a sudden because we just can't control what we're doing. You see, what's happening is that we are trying. We are trying so hard, but it's coming from a place of our will. It's coming from a place of our desire. And we fall into the same trap that the Apostle Paul does. The same trap that the Apostle Paul does. And we, we hit right here on verse 24 and we say, Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Why do I keep doing this? Why can I not lose the weight and keep off the weight? Why can I not read my Bible more? Why do I not pray more? Why am I not giving more? Why am I? Why, why, why? Who am I? Why would I do this? You see, there's this identity crisis that comes in with these failures. It's like something's not working, and so we look in the mirror, and we see, I'm not working, so I'm no good. And because of that, we have this, this identity crisis, and I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to accomplish this. And why is it that when we do make these mistakes, when we do wind up slipping, when we do wind up failing, why is it that the, at the moment before that, at the moment that I'm looking at that, that piece of pie, at that very moment, why is it that I hear that voice inside my head that says, it's okay, it's just one little piece, and you've been doing so good. 
Nobody's going to look at you bad. Nobody's going to say you did anything wrong. It's fine. And we hear that voice and we cut that slice and we eat it. And then the moment we eat it, that same voice that said it's fine, it's like, how could you do that? What did you do? Are you that weak? Are you that pathetic? Satan all the time just gets in there. And this happens over and over and over again. The same devil that tells us it's no big deal. Doesn't matter what you're looking at on your computer. Nobody's around. Nobody will see that. You can click on that. But then the moment you do it, oh, you better hope nobody finds out. I can't believe you actually did that. I can't believe you actually bought that. I can't believe you actually said that. I can't believe. And then we just, we feel this shame. It's this cycle that we go through all the time where we try to, we put in this effort. But just because we're putting in the effort, all of a sudden, this effort is based in us and our power and our will and our desire. And all of a sudden, that effort leads to our weakness. And that weakness leads us to a failure. And that failure turns to shame. And then because of the shame, we try to go right back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better this time. And we're back to putting in effort. I'm going to do better this time. And because of our own effort, we fall back into weakness and we fall back into a failure and we go back into shame and we try harder. And then we go back to being weak again and then back into failure and then back into shame. And it's a vicious cycle that keeps repeating itself. And it's because our focus is the same way that the Apostles Paul focus was. And it's on who he is, a wretched man that I am. A wretched man that I am. Why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? But I love the Apostle Paul because he didn't stop there. He says, who can deliver me from this body of death? And in the very next verse, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God. He's like, I'm thanking God. Who can save me? I thank God. It's through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then... With the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's like, all of a sudden, i got to change my way of thinking because it's not about me. It's not about my effort. It's not about my desire. It's not about me. I can't save myself from this situation. I can't create more discipline. I can't create more self-control. It's not through me. It's through Jesus Christ. I thank God that he gave me Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, Paul's tune changes. He's like, here's the answer. See, we're not talking for us to have self-control, for us to have more discipline. It's not about a behavior modification. It's about a spiritual transformation. You want to read your Bible more? It's, it's not about just setting it in your mind that all of a sudden I need to get up earlier and I need to do this. That's not going to do it. You need a spiritual transformation. See, this world, we talk about revival so much. Inside the church, we're like, we want revival. We want revival. We don't understand what revival is. We don't understand what revival is. Revival is not about bringing in the lost into the church. That's an awakening. That's awakening those that are dead. A revival starts inside the church, and it's reviving the heart of those who once served him. We want revival. We need the spiritual transformation. 
We need to be woken up. We need to realize what's going on here. And I'm telling you, as many people that were praying for revival, 2020 brought us revival. Because revival is not just about those who are doing it and being revived. It's about those who are departing. See, the thing about revival is a revival is a great separator of those who are continuing down the path and those who will run away from the path. 2020 was revival for the church. It's just not what people thought was revival was going to look like. And all of a sudden, you see people getting fired up, and it's like, I want more. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, I want more. I've been trying in my own power for far too long. But yet, when I've seen the success in my life, it has always started with Jesus Christ. It's always started with my spirit being transformed. Only when your spirit is transformed can then your mind be renewed. And then your flesh be brought under submission. It has to start with our hearts. It has to start with our spirits. And it's not about the desire. It's about our discipline. And who is going to discipline us? Why do I want to read my Bible more? See, that's often the question when people are sitting there. And and even Christians, they've talked to me. And they're like, you know, I just really want to read my Bible more. Why? That's my question. Why? You want to do it? Well, why haven't you been doing it? Why do you want to read it more? Well, I just, I just don't think I'm reading it enough. How do you know? Because the amount of Bible I read may not be the same amount that you need to read. So how do you know you're not reading enough? You see, we don't even ask ourselves these questions, but to ask ourselves these questions, it locates where our spiritual walk is. See, the only correct answer... For I want to read my Bible more. The only correct answer to why should be because I need to be closer to Jesus. I need a deeper relationship with God. That should be the only correct answer. If you sit there, oh, well, so I can defend the faith a little bit better. No, 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 no. Charles Spurgeon was right on that. The Bible doesn't need to be defended any more than a lion does. All the Bible needs to be do, like a lion, is set free and it can defend itself. I don't need to read the Bible more so I can defend it. I need to read the Bible more so I can hear more from God. So I can know Him more. So I can get closer to Him. That's the correct answer to this. Why do I want to lose this weight? Well, so I can go to a pool and have all the ladies looking at me like I'm a piece of eye candy. No, that's the wrong answer. I want to look good. No. You know what the right answer is? I want to be in good health so that I can use this body to serve my God. Oh, well, I just, I wish I could be more generous with my finances. Why? Well, I mean, because it's nice when people say good job and pat me on the back because I've done good. (laughs) That's the only reward you're going to get. The correct answer is because it doesn't belong to me anyways. And if Jesus came to serve, I should come to serve. These are the answers, but we don't ask ourselves the why because we're focused on just modifying our behavior rather than transforming our spirits. Rather than getting that renewal, the revival that we need in our own hearts. But see, this comes down to identity. 
the same way the Apostle Paul's like, oh, wretched man that I am. We have an identity. At the, the core of your discipline is your identity. The core of your discipline is your identity. Why do I want to read the Bible more? Why do I want to give my finances to people and help them? Why do I want to have a physically fit body? If it's not because I belong to Jesus, then the identity is wrong. I want people to see me as, no, no, no. I belong to him. I'm his. That's your identity. You belong to Jesus. You're you're not a slave to your own sinful desires. You don't have to be a slave. You're filled with the Spirit of God. You are a child of God. And the Spirit empowers you to do something new. I, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. That's why. And the great part about this is when we realize that we belong to Jesus, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. The same spirit that Jesus was anointed with is in us. When we understand who we are, I'm not the wretched man. I'm a child of God. I'm not a failure. I belong to Jesus. I'm not worthless. He calls me loved. I'm not pathetic. He wants me. That's who I am. And because we take that approach, all of a sudden we can come from a different place, not trying to do what we desire, but rather being disciplined by our Savior, by being led by His Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, because here's where the practicality of this comes in. Galatians chapter 5, and I want you to look down at verse 16. Apostle Paul says, I then, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now that, that word flesh is the Greek word sarks. And that word used 47 times in the New Testament. And it does not ever mean your skin. It means your sinful nature and desires. Every single time, that's what it means. So walk in the spirit and you're not going to fulfill the lust of your sinful desires. The sinful desires of eating that small little sliver of a chocolate pie that leads to two little slivers of a chocolate pie, which lead to a whole big section of a chocolate pie. That's, that's the sinful desires. But if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're walking in the Spirit, and, and that word walk, I mean, this is, this is simple. This word walk is, I think, in, uh, if I remember right in my grammar, I believe it's called a present participle. It's something that you not just do now, but you continue to do. So this isn't just, oh, walk. No, it's walk and walk and keep on walking and don't stop walking. Be continually walking in the spirit. 
And see, this should be easy for those of us inside Christianity because we have these Christianese sayings that we like to throw around. You know, it's like, hey, how are you doing? This isn't picking on anybody, but we do this. We, we all use Christianese. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. That, that's Christianese. Like, nobody besides a Christian says that. And like, when you go to the, the grocery store and you ask somebody, how are they doing? You know what they say? I'm good. Or, I'm doing well. Could be worse. Usually, if you're out in public and you ask me, I'm like, ah, eh, better than some, worse than others. I could complain, but it doesn't do me any good. That's my typical answer. But we've got these Christianese sayings. And one of our Christianese sayings is, well, we just need to take a step of faith. You want to know how to walk in the Spirit? It's take a step of faith, followed by another step of faith, followed by another step of faith, and another step of faith, and another step of faith, and another step of faith. Because faith is the substance of those things that we hope for, but it's the evidence of the things not seen. And we as Christians are to walk by faith and not by sight. To walk in the Spirit, whom we can't see, is to walk in faith. It's to take a step of faith. After a step of faith, followed by another step of faith. This is what we need to be doing, is taking these steps of faith. And what a step of faith is, is, all right, Jesus, I want to read this thing today. And I want to read as much as I need so that I can see you and I can know you more. Help me have the focus and the clarity to be able to read your word and to see you in it. And then we read. Practical step of faith is going to a family dinner. And before you even step foot in there, be like, all right, God, I need you to give me the strength I need to only consume the things that are going to help this body continue to serve you. And to give me the power to reject the things that will prevent that from happening. It's relying and depending on his strength and his power. It is being disciplined by his leading. In the same way that in organized sports, people don't just run out onto the field and do whatever they want. No, they look back to the coach. All right, coach, what's the play? What do you want me to do? And you can see what the play is, but you know on that play, each player has a specific purpose, a specific route. That's the other thing is we don't look at other Christians and say, well, you know what? Pastor Josh wakes up at 6.30 in the morning. No, I can't, I can't, I can't even say that without laughing. I don't wake up at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, Pastor Josh wakes up at like 9 a.m. and he reads his Bible for an hour before he even has coffee. No, I don't do that either. Um, but it's like we think about how all these other people do it. Like there was the, this old book, Practicing the Presence of God, and, and I saw way too many Christians that they, they heard about this. Where this guy sets at a table, and he sets two place settings, one for him, one for Jesus. And that was his way of practicing the presence of God. And yet all these other Christians thought, well, that's the key to be as spiritual as him. I need to put an extra place setting. Do you ever think that maybe... God's calling him to do that, not you. Maybe he wants you to do something else. Like, maybe he wants you to turn off your television for a little bit and just talk to him. Maybe that's how you practice his presence. See, to do that and to, to really get in and be disciplined by our Savior and by his Spirit is to say, lead me, guide me, 
Not according to how you've led and guided others, but according to how you have planned for my life. Lead me. Show me. You see, I've seen that over my own physical and health journey. That what works for me doesn't work for everybody. Just because I found success in it doesn't mean everybody's going to find success in it. And I'm okay with that. And they ought to be okay with that. Because the beauty of humanity and the beauty of Christianity is that we are many members and we're all different and we're all unique, but yet we're all brought into this one family to be this one body to serve our one Lord and Savior. And all we need to do, like the football players on a field, is look back to the coach and say, what's the play? What's my route? What do I need to do right now? That's the practicality of walking in the Spirit. That's the practicality of doing this. And when we do this, and we see what happens here in Galatians 5, down in Galatians 5, we jump down to verse 23 and 22. We sit there and we see what happens when you're walking in the Spirit. You get the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And self-control. When I'm walking in the Spirit, I've got the fruit of the Spirit. When I'm in Him, I've got the fruit that accompanies it. And I can walk by with self-control at a family dinner and say, no thanks. No thanks. I don't need any pie. Because see, I took that step of faith before I showed up and I asked him, what am I supposed to eat today? What am I not supposed to eat? Show me, help me, guide me, lead me. And by us doing that, the self-control was there. And I had people that asked me that so much when I first lost that weight. For those that were still here at the time, man, I was well over 300 pounds. I opened my mouth. I inserted foot. I'm standing up here preaching, and I'm like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. And all of a sudden, I'm like, who just said that? Because that wasn't me. And I realized it was that same Holy Spirit that I had been relying on and trying to walk with and walk in. And all of a sudden it just came out. And I had no desire. And then when I got the desire, I had no discipline. Five months later, I finally decided, all right, show me what to do. Show me what to do. Had no idea how I was going to find this out. And it came from Genevieve and I sitting down with Dr. Mark and his wife, Mary, for lunch. We go to family table restaurant. And I go to family table, and you know what? They've got a hot beef sandwich, and oh, it's just so good. Oh, so you get two slices of bread and a big heaping pile of mashed potatoes and roast beef and gravy smothering everything. And, and I'm looking down at this, and I see brown with brown under brown with more brown on it. And I'm like, that looks tasty. And I eyes glanced up at Dr. Mark and Mary and they both ordered chef salads. 
and I see greens and yellows and oranges and whites and reds. And all of a sudden I'm like, I should be eating that and not this. And it clicked. That my step of faith was to just make a small change. And I didn't even ask my God what I should eat that day. Imagine that. Imagine. We set out on these goals. We have desires to achieve great things. We want a great marriage. We want a great finances and a big bank account. We want all of these nice things. We want to be able to give and help the poor. We want to help others. We want to serve others. We have all of these goals, but we never stop to ask God how he wants us to accomplish it. Why does it never cross our minds if we want a great marriage to sit there and say, "Uh, hey, um, author of marriages, how do I have a great marriage? Why does it never? Hey, creator of these bodies, what should I do to keep this body in pristine condition? Why does this never cross our minds? It's because we don't have the spiritual transformation. Because we're still walking in the flesh rather than walking in the spirit. This isn't about changing our behavior. It's about transforming our spirits. It's about renewing and reviving our hearts so that we're not just relying on him for our eternity, but we're relying on him for our everything. If you're anything like me and you have these things that you're trying to accomplish and areas in your life you want to find success, things that you believe God is really leading you to and that you're supposed to try to reach out and strive for, but yet you keep seeing obstacles and failures and things getting in the way and sometimes it's our own failures that happen if you're seeing that happen what we need to do what i need to do i'm not preaching to you i'm preaching to myself is we need to have a spiritual transformation we need to look up to our god and just pray a simple prayer of lead me Lead me. If we're going to be walking in the Spirit, not satisfying the lust of our flesh, but instead operating in the fruit of the Spirit, that walking, that path that we have, it's only going to come with a leading from Him. So let's be led by the Spirit, and let's walk in the Spirit. Amen?